Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 144 of Yoga Land. Today, Jason is joining me from Hong Kong. How are you, Jason? I'm good. I'm in Hong Kong. I'm at Pure, and I'm looking out over the bay from the Peninsula Towers and seeing incredible majesty, including a helicopter that is at eye level and just kind of floating around taking an executive where an executive needs to go i'm envious yeah and i would be envious too i really like this city you know you know this from when i travel now like i've been a lot of places that i've traveled for a long time and so anywhere i go i'm not as like it's not pure excitement anymore it's a lot of work and i really try to keep my energy good and so forth I don't enjoy the locations like I used to enjoy the locations because I'm not as out and about in them, but I do really, really appreciate and enjoy the city a lot. I have a really important question for you. It's yeah. a follow-up from last week. Last week, it. we talked about the fact that the last time you went to Hong Kong, you checked into your hotel and they had a very special little gift for you, which was a bear yeah. holding yeah. a little Jason yoga like I love Jason yoga sign with your yeah, mother. that's correct. Did they deliver this time? They did not. So talk about a fall from grace. That hurts. It hurts. Do they? Do they not think I like bears? Uh, well, do they you did, not? You did threaten the bear like, with a lawsuit. So I did threaten the bear yeah. with a lawsuit. Yeah. So it's you know to be honest, they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. If yeah. they if they appeal to my better senses, I'm gonna I'm gonna sue the bear. And yet, if they don't appeal to my senses, I'm going to feel like I'm no longer relevant in the yoga world and community. But you know what they did bring this time is they did stock me with ginger tea because last time I had asked oh. ginger tea. Oh. So they put that in my profile. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I have one more Hong Kong related question. Sure. Yeah. What is the best breakfast food you've eaten so far? Dim sum. <laughs> I mean, dim sum for breakfast. I feel is like Asian the breakfasts great... are just the best thing in the world. Oh my God. It's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Okay. I mean, dim sum and then like, I mean, it's not Chinese, but uh, miso soup, like dim sum and miso soup for breakfast. <sighs> so good. Give me a break. So good. But, but after a couple of days of that, like I'm just back to like poached eggs and avocado and spinach right now. Yeah. Because after a, after a few days of indulgence of that, it's just... It's not as enjoyable and it's, yeah. yeah. Anyways. There's one other yeah. thing I wanted to mention from last week, which is last week we did the episode on talking about the pros and cons of being a full-time yoga teacher or a part-time yeah. yoga teacher. And we got so much response to it on Instagram and a lot of people shared their stories. And I'm thinking I might read some of the stories on the next episode. I'm, I'm just simply, to be quite honest, not prepared this week. But I just want to thank everyone for sharing them. It's it's just so nice to connect in that way and to hear everyone's stories. And I will reach out to you. If- I think that's a great idea. Sorry to talk over you. Oh, no, I think that's a great idea for a full podcast. I know. Just, I do too. Just resources. Yeah. 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 So if, because it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, yeah. I will reach out to you if I'm going to include your story and yeah, I'll slide into your DMs. So check your DMs this week. I mean, in some ways, that's what we're, that what you and I always do is we're just sharing our story, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. I don't pretend to be a spokesperson for yoga. You know what I mean? No. Uh, I'm sharing my experience with yoga and the dimensions that, I'm, that come from there. But yeah, I think that's a great idea. As a highly emotional person myself, I think that just one of the best things you can do is just relate to other people's stories. So I think that's why people relate to us because we share pretty honestly. So it's, I enjoy reading other people's stories too. Are you saying you're highly emotional? I'm highly emotional. I am. Let's get to the FI stuff. Yes. Okay. I'm excited about it. I am too. You're going to have to like cut me off at some point. So after, I'm going to just say this to the listeners after this podcast has been around for almost three years and for almost three years, people have written in with questions about the sacroiliac joint, also known as the SI joint. And yep. for almost three years, Jason Crandall has resisted answering every single one of these questions on the podcast because it's just because it's complex. But yeah. I've finally gotten to him. 
So I'm going to read You've the worn question. me down. I've worn him down. It's a long question. I'm going to read the question that came in and we'll go from there. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So first paragraph person goes on and on about how much they love Jason. So we're going to skip that. Why why skip that? That's the most important paragraph. Okay. Then he says, unfortunately, I've developed some problems. Oh, wait. Is it a he? Yes. Okay. Yes. I believe so. Regardless, it's it's, it's much more common that they're she's when it comes to SI stuff, but it can be a he for sure. But anyway, sorry. Unfortunately, I've developed some problems in my left SI joint, not from your classes, but in some offline classes I took as well. I'm probably the thousandth person who is asking you a question about this, but hopefully you can yes. address it in a new Q&A or give me some ideas. The first major pain shoot I had was in three-legged down dog with my knee opening, okay? When getting yep. out of the Make pose, sense. I felt the pain. Pause. I guarantee it was on the underside. Okay. So if it was the right leg up and turning, it was the left SI. Okay. Guaranteed 100%. Okay. When getting out of the pose, I felt the pain and I had to get out of the class because I couldn't do anything anymore. After this, I had some less intensive pain shoots release, releasing from trikonasana, right leg in front. It didn't yes. feel good, but I could still continue the classes. The thing is that I don't feel anything when getting into the pose, only when coming out of the pose. Together with my teacher, I'm having a hard time understanding why it happened and what to adjust. The major question I have is what direction the upper hip bone should rotate. I used to try to open it to the ceiling with my core. I've changed this to use my core to keep my hips in a more neutral position or even rotate it a little bit to the floor. This seems to help, but I'm also a little afraid to go too deep in the pose now and trigger the SI pain again. Do you have any thoughts about this issue and maybe tips on what to change? If it helps, I'm a 32-year-old male. When I started doing yoga six or seven years ago, I was not flexible at all. I have come along quite a bit, nothing compared to the girls. I also like to go to the gym and build some muscles and I do CrossFit and swimming. All you, all you, Mr. Crandall. Okay. So you're going to have to keep me from going on and on and on. And you have to give me some punctuation here and there. If, if, if you feel like as a listener that you need me to kind of pause or clarify or stop or go back. Okay. Okay. So one of the reasons that I am so reluctant to talk about sacroiliac joint issues on the podcast is that SI joint issues are usually the a specific error that is occurring. But in order to deal with that specific error, we have to understand a much bigger and more comprehensive system that is at play. And so it's kind of easy to start to figure out what goes wrong with the SI when something goes wrong. But the bigger piece of the puzzle is to figure out how is the sacroiliac joint related to a much larger, more complicated system? And how do we keep that entire system in greater balance and more healthy so that the SI doesn't have the same errors that the SI tends to have? Okay. So... I think the first thing to start to wrap our head around with is that sacroiliac joint issues are mostly issues of excess motion. Sacroiliac joint problems almost always come from the sacroiliac joint having too much motion on one side and then too little motion on the other side. Okay. So it is much more likely that in an ex- that an experienced yogi over the years develops SI stuff than an inexperienced yogi. So it's a little bit different than lower backs in that oftentimes in general populations, you have a higher incidence of lower back stuff and a lower incidence of SI stuff. But in yoga communities, typically that role reverses itself. You have a greater proportion of sacroiliac joint issues than you have lumbar issues. So what we have to consider is we have to consider really three interrelated systems. We have to consider the spine. We have to consider the pelvis. And we have to consider the core. And essentially, the most common setup 
for SI joint issues is that over time, slowly but surely, we've created too much mobility in one of the sacroiliac joints, often due to long-term sequencing issues that spend so much time passively stretching the back of the core and the back of the hips. So when the lumbar is overstretched, but not properly strengthened, and when the outer hips and the posterior hips and the hamstrings are significantly stretched, but not properly strengthened, then there tends to be the potential to have less stability in the sacroiliac joint. So to and, have good stability. And you so said usually ways, on one side more than another, and it's, it's like a pattern for people. It is a pattern for people. Yeah. Yeah. Is that one side actually goes too far forward and the other side goes too far back. Mm -hmm. But it, it, this is hard to visualize, but the way that the sacroiliac joint sits is such that the pelvis extends posteriorly in such a way that it's called the PSIS, the posterior superior iliac spines, that they cover the back edge of the, sacro of the sacrum. So the sacrum is much more, uh, it's much more prone to go too far forward on one side, not too far back. Mm -hmm. So, right. So when things on the posterior side are overstretched, when they have too much stretch and too little tension, that is an increased scenario where the sacroiliac joints can be too mobile. Mm -hmm. And the sacroiliac joint can move forward too much. And when it moves forward too much, it can become a little bit out of joint, right? So the articulating surfaces of the sacroiliac joint are not smooth. The articulating surfaces of the sacroiliac joint are a little bit like tongue in groove mm -hmm. or like a key in a tumbler. They have to fit together. And it, so if one side of the sacrum moves a little bit too far forward, relative to the ilium, then it can move in such a way that the think about a, a jigsaw puzzle and you have two pieces that are per, fit perfectly together, mm -hmm. but then one side gets pushed too far forward and slightly rotated. And then when they come back together, they're no longer, they're no longer in accordance. Mm -hmm. Pieces of the jigsaw puzzle aren't fitting together because one piece has gone forward and is a little bit turned. So then when they're pressing against each other, they're not fitting properly. They're pushing against each other and producing pain. The common sacroiliac joint pain is inflammatory pain of compression. Oftentimes because the one piece of the jigsaw is not fitting properly into the other piece of the jigsaw, it's a little too far forward and a little bit too rotated. Mm -hmm. And so this is also another reason why sometimes when you're not moving, SI doesn't hurt. But then in specific motions, SI does hurt. Hmm. Because in specific motions, that lack of congruence of the sacrum and the ilium, they're pushing against each other harder than other positions. Mm -hmm. so, to, to, so to step back just a little bit, sacroiliac joint stuff is much more common in the yoga world than in the non-yoga world. Totally. Right? And it's an issue of destabilization of a joint structure. And when that joint structure becomes destabilized, it can move into positions that we don't want it to move into. And when it moves into those positions, it's like if you have a perfectly fitting jigsaw puzzle, and those are perfectly fit in, but then if that whole system is overstretched and now those things don't fit nice and tight together, they can slip around and push at each other in compressive and non-desirable ways. So it's an issue of compression, mm -hmm. but it occurred because the joint got destabilized. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not housed properly anymore. Right. I had pretty bad sac sacroiliac pain right around actually when I was doing my teacher training. It got right. exacerbated. And it definitely, I didn't know enough about it at that time, but it definitely felt like 
the side where I had the most pain was like shoved in to my body. It is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It is. And so, and that tells us a lot, actually. That tells us a lot because I think, I think one other thing just to, to consider is the anatomy of the sacroiliac joint is that the vast majority of the joints in the body are in the transverse plane. So if you think about the knee joint, the, the femur and the tibia, right? That joint is in the transverse plane. They're sitting on top of each other, right? The femur is on top of the tibia. Okay. So the vast majority of joints are that way. So gravity helps hold that joint in a stable position. It's mobile, but it's in a stable position, right? Because gravity is making my femur and my tibia press together, which holds them into a stable relationship. The sacroiliac joints are really the only joints in the body that are at a more vertical orientation. I mean, they're not perfectly vertical, but they're at a more oblique orientation. So they're more up and down. They're not in the transverse horizontal plane. They're in more vertical plane. And so it's a more of a wedge system where the sacrum is wedged between the iliums and there is some gravitational effects. But what we see in that area is that, and, and just, just also for context, we have spent the last three days in teacher training with Dr. Brian Lau who's my teaching partner here. He's a student of mine, but he is also the lead sports medicine doctor for the Hong Kong Olympic team and the Hong Kong Pan-Asian teams. And he is also on chair at Hong Kong University in traumatology department. So I want everyone to know that a lot of this information isn't just me winging it from random sources. It's having an understanding from the highest level of sports medicine and science. Okay. So what happens because the sacroiliac joint is in a vertical plane, and there's going to be some listeners that are, are thinking to themselves, no, the, the sacroiliac joint is supposed to be mobile. The sacroiliac joint has some minor motion capacity in normal human gait, but there is no rational, sane, healthy world in which in yoga, you're trying to make your sacroiliac joint more mobile. Right. That is an agreed upon based on science understanding. And the reason is, is because when you have the sacroiliac joint, was at, which is at the base of the spine and the back of our center of gravity, and it is a vertical joint, that means that there are a ton of inherent mechanical forces on that region. And so what that region does is it gives us a ton of ligaments. So if you were to look at the sacroiliac ligaments, what you'll see is they're in a scatter pattern, meaning there are very strong, thick, short ligaments that go in every direction that bind the sacroiliac joint together. And what that is telling us from a structural evolutionary perspective is the body is trying to inhibit motion at this region, not produce motion at that region. But when we do things like yoga and dance and gymnastics, we enter the world of possibly overstretching those ligaments over time and also decreasing the strength of the thoracolumbar fascia and the external rotators. And so by stretching that stuff a lot, but not strengthening it a lot, you are over time starting to increase the potential that you get motion in that joint where you don't want motion in that joint. Okay. I have a question. I hope it yeah. comes out clearly. Do you think the root of the issue is overstretching or do you think the root of the issue is under strengthening or is it depend on the body and some combination of both? It's almost always under strengthening okay. and stretching the wrong way. So because there is a significant reliance in the sacroiliac joint region on ligamentous strengths, the most important thing to do to have healthy sacroiliac joints in the long run is to preserve the integrity of the ligamentous structure. That's the most important. And what we have to understand about ligaments, even though there are some disciplines that are going to contend that stretching ligaments is a good idea, there that is in absolute rejection of demonstrable science. So what we know about ligaments is they have a maximal elasticity factor of about 
meaning a, lig a ligament can only stretch to about a maximum of 10% of its original length before it either ruptures or it becomes a new length and no longer goes back to an old length. So Muscle it becomes unstable? It like becomes it useless. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes attenuated. Attenuated means the function is lost. So that's the thing with ligaments is when they're overstretched, they become useless, right? And the body has ligaments for a reason. The ligaments are, they are the guardrails of the joint structure. They tell the joints what direction to go and what direction not to go. So if you lose ligamentous function, then the joints can start to go in directions that they have not evolved to go. And that is a primary setup for osteoarthritis for all sorts of joint degradation is when the joint starts to go in directions it's not supposed to go or degrees that it's not supposed to go. So when we have a yoga world that we often push back against, and I'm not saying stretching is bad, stretching is awesome, but let's clarify it, is that when we start to prioritize range of motion over stability of motion, then we're starting to work in contravention of healthy human system. Mm -hmm. So, right. So we have to try to preserve the ligamentous structure. And as I said, a ligament only has maximum about a 10% elasticity factor where beyond which that ligament is no, no longer has the capacity to do its job completely. Muscles have about 200% elasticity factor, meaning a muscle can move at about two, has the potential to move at about 200% of its native length while still regaining its function, okay? So this tells us really clearly about what we're supposed to stretch and what we're not supposed to stretch and to what degree. It's very difficult. This is coming from the world of sports science and Brian, which is a lot of the sacroiliac ligaments, when they are overstretched, they don't actually produce pain because not all of them have pain receptors. Many ligaments have pain receptors. Some ligaments don't have pain receptors, but many of the sacroiliac ligaments don't have pain receptors, which means unknowingly we can be, we can be overstretching those ligaments through excess forward flexion and excess external rotation of the hip. Those are the most common things. And then over time, those ligaments start to lose their tenacity. Mm -hmm. And maybe we go further in poses. But what we have to remember is we're just talking about sacroiliac joint issues and sacroiliac joint issues are instability issues almost always from overstretch that have now allowed the joint to go to a position that it's not supposed to go in and it's produced compression. So it's over, it's excess motion then goes into a not good motion and gets stuck. Okay. So you're saying you could be overstretching and not know it because those particular ligaments that you're overstretching don't have pain receptors. They don't, then, they don't all have the same degree of pain receptors. Don't yes. have the same degree. And then the joint becomes unstable. And then that yes. creates like a flare up an in, an inflammatory response. Often. Yes. Yeah. So those ligaments are also referred to as the, the static stabilizers, meaning ligaments hold stuff together in a static way. But the body is awesome. And if you like doing yoga and you like doing forward bends, you don't have to think to yourself, oh my God, doom and gloom, because there's things that we can do. So the downside and the potential, and probably the reason that there are so many in yoga, so many SI issues is the region has been destabilized through overstretch and overstretch of the ligaments of the region. But the SI also has dynamic stabilizers. And it has one dynamic stabilizer in particular. And Andrea Ferretti, I'm going to let you guess. Oh my gosh. I, I have been taking care of a sick child for like a week. Oh my God. You guessed the piriformis muscles. <laughs> my gosh. How did you get that? Whoa. I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm good like so that. the piriformis muscle is the only muscle that directly crosses the sacroiliac joints. So I, this is going to sound insane to listeners, literally insane to listeners, but actually having a really good stiff piriformis muscle 
is a very good way to keep your sacroiliac joints in proper position. Yeah, I believe it. So to actually, right. So, so here's the thing. It's like people just don't in the yoga world, like, and when I say people in the yoga world, I'm also referring to myself for a very long period of time. Yeah, me too. Just don't actually understand the value of stiffness, right? So ever, I want everyone to think about a, a spring, right? So what is the value of a soft spring? Nothing. What is the value of a, of a tight spring? It's supportive. It does things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so here's the thing that you have to understand with muscle tissue is you actually want a, enough stiffness within the muscular system and within the tendinous system and within the fascial system and within the ligamentous system. You want enough stiffness that you have structural buoyancy and that the body can, can be dynamic and resist the stressors that are acting on it. So I, again, I'm not saying that we should do that. We're just trying to make our body tight. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just taking it in context of yoga where we stretch the hell out of everything all the time and think that that is not going to lead to a cluster of problems. It is going to lead to a cluster of problems. It does. When I ask a group of teacher training students to raise their hand, if they have or have had sacroiliac joint issues, at least 75% of the room raises their hand. Yeah. So here's the thing is, is we have to kind of put these things together and we're not going to say yoga is bad. We're not going to say stretching is bad, but what we are going to say is that we tend to focus so much on mobility and we don't actually focus enough on making sure that certain things are stiff enough to actually hold position under demand. Mm -hmm. So what we can consider is having a stiff piriformis is a way a way of helping maintain sacroiliac joint stability because muscular stiffness or muscular firmness or muscular tone or having a muscle that behaves like a firm spring, not a soft spring, helps the sacroiliac joint stay in a proper position, especially if we've done things to overstretch the ligaments and the ligaments aren't doing their job anymore. So making sure that piriformis is strong and secondarily to make sure that the piriformis has good eccentric strength, meaning it as the piriformis stretches, it still has good strength and power to it. And understanding the difference between concentric, isometric, and eccentric strength, I would never like try to make that happen in a podcast or at least not or I would, but, but not right now. So I think the point is like we, the main thing we want for sacroiliac joint health is to not overstretch the ligaments. But for a lot of people, to be totally honest, it's too late. Those things have been overstretched. If the sacroiliac joint is not in an optimal position, if you're having SI joint pain, it's almost guaranteed that those ligaments are already overstretched. So now it's time to go to a backup system. And it's start and it's time to start to pay more attention to the strength of the of the piriformis. So doing things to strengthen the piriformis and also doing things to have good eccentric strength of the piriformis. So a way of thinking about this is when you're doing things that stretch your outer hip and external rotation, make sure those muscles are engaged. So yeah. I think anyone who's had SI pain knows what will recognize this little cycle. You start to have the SI pain, you're a yoga person. So you're like, oh, I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do pigeon pose. You do a long holds of pigeon pose. You start to develop more sort of radiating pain. You're like, oh man, is this hip pain? Is this, what, what kind of pain is this? You do more pigeon pose. And that's where, it, or, and, and you hear that a tight piriformis leads to sciatic pain, 
leads to back pain. Right. And so it then can. You That's do, where it's a slippery slope. Right. You do more pigeon pose and then you've suddenly got an SI that's like on fire. And so I think that's kind of what you were just describing, but I want to ask because we, you hear all the time and that a tight piriformis can compress a sciatic nerve and lead to sciatic pain. For sure. How do you find the balance? Like, and so I guess my question is you were talking about the piriformis being stiff. Is that different than it being tight? I think what we want to always consider is a relationship between parts. So essentially what we want to maintain is a proper balance of tone and elasticity. So we don't just want to train one or the other. And the reason I was saying stiffness is because in in contemporary yoga, we tend to train elasticity so much more than we tend to train stiffness. Our focus tends to be on moving things more. Time and time and time and time again, it's like lengthening, opening, lengthening, opening. So when we're in the yoga world, I talk more about making making sure that you still have proper tone, proper strength. If I were teaching a bunch of power lifters, I would probably be saying a different story. I'd be talking a little bit more about length. Mm-hmm. But because in yoga, we do so many things to promote the length of the piriformis, we need to also really consider that perhaps we've overlengthened it and that it is and that is contributing to having insufficient strength to hold the sacroiliac joint in a proper position especially if the ligaments are a little bit attenuated so another thing that we have is we have really good and really simple news is we we can stop thinking about strength and flexibility as separate things. We can actually work them simultaneously, which is working eccentric strength. So pretend I am in a pigeon pose. I mean, some people might have a reservation about pigeon pose, even in the conversation about, some people might be thinking, wait a second, why would anyone be in pigeon pose if we're talking about sacroiliac joint? And I'm going to say, point noted. Fair (laughs) enough point. You can absolutely do pigeon pose in ways that are constructive for the sacroiliac joint and pigeon pose in ways that are destructive for the sacroiliac joint. And largely it has to do with what muscles are you turning on when you are doing that thing? So if we'll keep it simple, which is if I'm doing a pose where I am stretching my piriformis, I want to make sure that I am simultaneously contracting my piriformis a little bit so that I am building range and strength simultaneously. This is called eccentric strength. So this is this is kind of our best single go-to way for facilitating injury prevention of the whole body, which is to build eccentric strength, which and essentially the bottom line of this means to make sure that you're the thing that you're stretching is at least a little bit engaged while you are stretching it. There's other ways of working but this is what I, what I say with my students. This is the default way. And I kind of think about it like this. It's like, do you like to lay in pigeon pose and stay there for a moment and let all the tension go and relax and exhale and just kind of flop into it and sleep into it? If you like that, I would say that consider that dessert. And I eat dessert. Like I like dessert. And I like passive stretches. So I'm not going to say that we shouldn't do passive stretches in the same way that I'm not going to tell someone they shouldn't have dessert, but they should think about dessert in the proper context of everything else. And if you do like dessert, then you probably want to be limited and sparing in your dessert and make sure that you actually get your fill and the majority of your calories, not from desserts, but from actually nutritious foods that I mean, unless you're Cindy Crandall and then you can just That's different. My mom... But here's the thing is my mom I always is bring high, her up because I just love she her is so titrating her desserts with her snacks. I mean, if you're Cindy Crandall, you can have yeah, like you can have like a column of mint Oreos and some peeps and you're good to go. And just be stoked on like literally be like happier than anyone oh, has ever been. I love her so much. Can you imagine how healthy she would be if she had if she had any nutrition? She would be president of the United States. She would be like, but does it, 
you made a really good point, which is if this if the piriformis is too tight, if it's too tight and too weak, it can irritate the sciatic nerve. But if it's too loose, then it can be a destabilizer stabilizer to the sacroiliac joint. So the question that I always have to ask a yogi is to be honest and say, which one of those things, are you doing both of those in equal amount, or are you doing one of those a lot more than the other? So what we'll see in the yoga world is way more sacroiliac dysfunction than piriformis outlet syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. It's true. But we don't have to have both if we just understand this stuff, which is engage the thing that's stretching a little bit while it's stretching, especially when it's on the backside of your body, Mm -hmm. because the backside of the body tends to be so attenuated. There's the last couple of things I want to make sure we touch on, which is in addition to keeping like proper tone in your piriformis, you also want to make sure that for sacroiliac joint that you have good core strength, including the strength of the posterior part of core, which are your multifidi and everything that blends into the thoracolumbar fascia. So if, if you're trying to have a strong core by just strengthening the front of your abdominal wall, you are wasting your time. You have to, be, because your core is 360 degrees. Like you, the body is a tube. The core is a tube. So you have to strengthen the circumference of the tube, not one part of the tube. And that means that we have to be strengthening the paraspinal muscles. We have to be strengthening the lats. We have to be strengthening the glutes. And we have to be strengthening the pelvic floor. And we have to be strengthening the transverse abdominus and the obliques. Rectus abdominis is not nearly as important in this particular equation, but you want the central ring. I mean, this is the way I've been teaching in this training right now is you want the central ring of your body to be strong. You don't want the front wall of your body to be strong. You want what do you think about the a tight psoas contributing to sacroiliac instability? It's less likely. Okay. I'm just curious. I want to get back to, because we are getting to the, to the point where we want to wrap up. I want to make sure we address his specific questions. He yeah. brought up triangle pose yeah. and the fact that, you know, he's not quite sure how to adjust it. And the fact that yeah. he doesn't hurt while he's in the pose, but he hurts when he comes out of the pose. Yeah. So let's get to that. If you look at one-legged downward facing dog with the top hip rotated open, just emblazon that in your brain. Mm -hmm. Do you see that that's a very similar position to triangle pose? Yeah, it could be, sure. It's it's, it's an extremely similar position. The legs are in the same position, the hip joint is in the same position, the spine is in the same position. So we're going to answer this question, but we're going to take a step back, which is to say that I'm going to phrase it like this because I want to be like, I'm very good as a person at finding little exceptions, which means I always try to speak to someone that might be able to find the little (laughs) exception in the logic or what I'm going to say, which is for the majority of people that have sacroiliac joint pain, the triggers tend to be forward flexion rotation and postures that include forward flexion and rotation. Mm. So to say that in another language, forward bends and twist and forward bends that include a twist and also the transition in and out of those poses. And again, I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying those are the things that are most common to move that one side of the sacroiliac joint forward and it's only going to be forward if that joint it has lost some of its internal stabilizing potential. SI joint stuff is a thing moved too much and is now not in a proper configuration, not it didn't move enough, which means the answer is not to move it more. Mm-hmm. And the answer is not to stretch the area more. It's to move it less and to stabilize the area more. And why is that so difficult? Because that sits in total contravention 
to what we think we want to be a good yoga practitioner. And so, right, so this becomes a massive issue. So we have to understand that in forward bends and in twists, and in a forward bend that includes a twist, like Janushirshasana, where you're forward bending and rotating towards the front leg rather than going straight down through the center, those tend, not always, but those tend to be the things that are the most common triggers. Triangle pose, when you look at it, triangle pose includes both a forward bend and a twist. It includes rotation of the pelvis and lateral flexion of the pelvis. And it also includes lateral flexion of the spine and rotation of the spine. So it's a really complicated thing to deal with, but it tends to not be a problem if you just don't turn the top hip as much. Mm -hmm. So imagine that my right leg is forward and my left leg is a lot of times, if you take the top hip and you turn it maximally, it produces compression in the opposite sacroiliac joint. So if my right leg is forward and my left leg is back, by turning the left hip up, there usually becomes a threshold that puts compression in the opposite or the right sacroiliac joint. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to have a problem, but if your sacroiliac joint is unstable, because of what we've talked about, then turning that top hip too much is forcing the sacroiliac joint, usually the bottom one, sometimes the top one, it's forcing it into malalignment. And usually that can be, be prevented by not rotating the pelvis as much. Don't turn the top hip up so much. Right. right? And just for what and just for what it's worth, like I go around the world, I've been going around the world for a, over a decade talking about this. And I just want listeners to know I'm not the only person that has out on a limb like this. Like in the world of Iyengar yoga, that top hip is just not cranked towards the ceiling. Mm -hmm. It's not like that's not the value of the pose. The top hip is turns towards the ceiling until it stops, but you don't try to turn it more. Yeah. Because we know that that top hip usually stops because the bottom femur is fixed into position and, and the pelvis can't rotate more. If I keep trying to turn my hips, and my hips can't turn more, my sacroiliac joint turns. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that produces destabilization and compression. Yeah. Don't go so far, bro. I think that a way to think about it for all of us is you know, it's so natural and normal in poses, like you said, to think about opening and to think about going deeper and to think about going mm -hmm. further. And so it kind of, requires a recalibration, a mental recalibration to look for your own personal integrity in the pose and yeah. like sort yeah. of the simplicity of the pose, the beauty and the simplicity of, of the pose instead of yeah. the beauty being going further. And I, and it's he he's recognized this, right? He's clearly with this long explanation. I want to I want to say one more thing in regards to his question, which is at a certain point he says, I'm a 32-year-old male when I first started six or seven years ago, I wasn't flexible at all. I've come along quite and he well. didn't have SI problems. I've come along quite well, but still nothing compared to some of the girls. And so I think it's important, again, to point out, definitely don't compare yourself to the girls. You have a completely different body. You know, you have a completely different range of motion. And also, you don't know if they're in pain, <laughs> quite yeah. frankly. So and often they are. So it's great to ha that he's increased his flexibility and it sounds like he's hit sort of his threshold and it needs to, to come back a little bit, but back off of the flexibility a little bit. That's all I'm trying to say. I mean, here's a whole new topic that I want to go on forever about, but like, we just have to acknowledge we have, we have fetishized one half of the equation mm -hmm. in the movement pattern in contemporary yoga. And I have two, this isn't like, this isn't someone else's fault. Oh yeah. That, no, it's just You know what I mean that we have fetishized the idea that motion we, we it's it's like we don't understand that all joints are really supposed to stop moving at certain <laughs> yeah. thresholds. Well, you know, it's like you know I mean? watching other people's flexibility. I definitely fell victim to this at yoga journal. You know, it's like I walk down the halls of yoga journal and like photos of Richard Freeman everywhere. It's right. like a shiny object. You're just like, wow. it is a shiny object. 
wow, look yeah. what his joints can do. Like I'm going to yeah. get there. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's reasonable, but we always have to, cons- if, if I can kind of leave listeners with this is like, like, okay, in the Bhagavad Gita, how is yoga defined? It's defined as, as development of an equanimous state. How does Patanjali describe yoga? The cessations of movement, the cessations of fluctuations of the mind. He also sort of goes on and describes asana, something having the balanced and dual qualities of effort and relaxation, softness and firmness, right? So really what we have to bring ourselves back to as a community is that yoga, even just physically, is a balanced equation between stiffness and mobility, between flexibility and strength, between the ability for certain things to hold stable in position and other things to move into position. But the idea that we're going through the entire body with a screwdriver and only turning left and loosening up motions is a driving mechanism of, a, of a, an incredible amount of problem. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll leave it with this. And this sounds kind of heavy, but I think, it's, I think it's kind of interesting, right? Because in working with Brian, who I spoke about earlier, he said, look, I'm just going to tell you that I think that a lot of times what I see, and you have to understand, this is someone that works professionally in clinic with people who are injured all of the time. And he said, a lot of times when people are searching for transformation by just trying to move their body more, they don't end up with transformation. They end up with deformation. Hmm. They end up with part of the body that is just no longer working properly because it moved too much. Hmm. The hammer that we almost always use as yogis is to stretch stuff more. You guys, anytime something hurts, we think it's supposed to be stretched more. And sometimes that is the case, but usually that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Usually when something is uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable because it's in a fatigue state and in a fa- it's often in a fatigue state because it doesn't have a proper balance of tone and motion. So I keep saying the last thing, but the last thing is then that doesn't mean that range isn't a good thing, but what we can do is start to say to ourselves, well, hey, can I actually prioritize an equanimous state of effort and relaxation? Can I prioritize an equanimous state of balanced muscular, of a spring that is not so firm that it doesn't do its job properly and not so loose that it doesn't do its job properly? We have to know that we're looking for a balance in the equation of the body and that that's deep, right? Going further at some point is not deep in the same way that a spring being softer at some point is not a better spring. So we always have to search within ourselves for what is that, what is that balanced set of properties and the sacred iliac joint is just, it's kind of the most objective single place within the body that yogis create more trouble for themselves than they had going into the yoga world because of this excess desire for motion and an insufficient desire for being in station. You know what though? I would just really quickly devil's advocate. I I would, I would argue though that it's also just a great tool for learning your limitations because it just happens to so many of us. And once you figure out how to come out of that pain and out of that pattern, it's easier to work with the rest of your body. I don't know. Totally. Maybe that's the, yeah. Both you and I have had both really significant sacroiliac joint pain and dysfunction in our lives, right? Yeah. I don't have it now. I don't either. So there's so, hope, so that's guys. Everyone should listen. It's true. Yeah. And, I had it and, so badly. I could barely walk. Right. And, but so, but so this isn't to say, oh my God, this is a death sentence for you guys. It's to say, oh, well, sometimes we only learn about our boundaries. Like you're saying by breaking our boundaries and being like, oh, that wasn't the right, that I opened that door and it's not, I don't actually want what's behind that door. Let me look at another door for listeners that are dealing with SI stuff. And for listeners that want to minimize SI stuff. Don't be afraid of forward bends and don't be afraid of twists. Don't be afraid of doing yoga. Don't be afraid of stretching. But 
in your sequence and in your technique. Do your best to prioritize a balance between strength and range. And especially when it comes to your lumbar spine, make sure you're doing things that are strengthening it. When it comes to your whole core and pelvic floor, make sure you're doing things that are strengthening it. And when it comes to your outer hip muscles, especially your piriformis muscle, make sure you're doing things that are strengthening it so that you do get to have your dessert. Because man, there's nothing like sleeping a little bit in pigeon pose. There just isn't. Yeah. But in order to have that as our desserts without having clusters that may come with that over time, we have the other we have to also be tuning into and training those other elements. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. I actually don't know if I have particular blog posts to go with this episode. Do we, Jason? No, but I'm going to tell everyone something right now is that, you know, for years and years, I have been just wanting to put together more concrete, systematic approaches to every region of the body. And so I am working on a massive program and and actually like a whole system for the hip joint and for the spine and core and for the shoulder joints cool so there's going to be a lot more on this in the future for sure more on, on this in the future thanks for listening if you enjoy the podcast please share it please rate and review on itunes and until next week enjoy your practice